Mucho gusto and welcome to another episode of Detective Writer. I'm your host Sally, aka Detective Writer, and today I am super excited to introduce all of you to a very special guest, full-time author of crime thrillers, horror, non-fiction, Armand Rosamilia. Armand, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to hear all about your story, your passion. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's going to be fun. Definitely. So if you don't mind, I'd definitely love to hear a little bit more, like, what inspired you to write crime thrillers, nonfiction books? Like, what really was your motivation to just, like, you knew that you wanted to write immediately? Dean Koontz. And uh, I started reading Dean Koontz books. And, uh, you know, everybody looks at things. So oh, Dean Koontz is like Stephen King, all their horror authors. But a lot of the stuff that he wrote in the 70s into the 80s were really thrillers. Uh, action-adventure books he wrote under so many different pen names back then with a lot of different styles and everything and that really for me influenced me to read not just horror books and not just read crime thriller books and so I think that was really this for me that was the start right there was um, just reading anything and everything I could that had some some action in it that had some uh, you know some great characters that's amazing and can I ask you because I also loved Stephen King growing up what was your favorite story of him because I loved Cujo Misery I'm actually not a Stephen King fan <laughs> no worries my, my mother my mother's a huge Stephen King fan still is uh, and she's always trying to get me to, to read Stephen King now I've read some Stephen King uh, I, I, I really like his, a lot of his short stories and stuff but for me uh, still to this day, anytime a Dean Koontz book comes out, I'm the first in line to to buy it. Uh, I just like I like the way Dean Koontz writes better than I like the way I think Stephen Stephen King likes to put out 800 uh, page books and then go off on a tangent about something. So <laughs> I hear that. And can I also ask you, like you said initially that you were before mostly a horror author, but then you decided to jump in a little bit to crime thrillers. Can I ask what made you decide to go from like horror fiction or horror nonfiction, like to go to crime thrillers? What made you decide to make a change? You know, for the longest time, um, I just wrote horror stuff. I was, I was a big reader of it. And uh, that's kind of my, that was my lane and I thought I just want to build my career as a horror author I have tons of horror ideas and I always had other things that were always elements crime thriller elements and, and different things in my stories but it was mostly a horror story and the thing that really changed it was about um, maybe 12 years ago or so I, I wrote uh, I started writing stories that wasn't horror, and it was more like a character story, like a, a contemporary fiction, like a beach read, I call it. And I was worried. I was like, well, this isn't my, my, my readers, and I didn't have a ton of readers then. My readers aren't going to respond to this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I really like these short stories. And I put it out. I ended up doing a seven-book series called Flagler Beach Fiction Series, and my fans loved it. The readers loved it. And they liked my voice and I realized it's not the genre they're reading it's it's me they're reading and that gave me a lot more confidence to start writing some crime thriller short stories and things like that and as I got more and more involved in that community as well and 
reading and meeting a lot of the authors that are the, the, the authors now, the contemporary authors out there. For me, that was kind of like the light bulb went off. And I said, you know what? I can do this. I, I can be true to myself as a writer and not worry about a genre. Just write a story and then we'll figure out the, we'll figure out the, the other part later on. And that's really helped me. You know, I have two award-winning uh, crime thriller series uh, out right now. And um, that, those are, those, the sales on those two series is, has really pushed me to that next level and that next level as an author. And it's, it's made me realize that I love writing, I love writing crime, uh, crime stuff. I love writing uh, that one-off standalone book I've written. Um, I wrote a, a, a book called Stripper Noir with another author, Erin Lewis, who was a former stripper, and oh, now wow. she's a, a, a writer. And we wrote a really dark um, serial killer stripper book uh, that, that came out in December. And um, uh, the great part about that was um, uh, Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller, the magicians. Yeah. Uh, Penn, he read it, Penn Gillette read it and loved it and gave it a four-star review. So, of course, the publisher picked up on that and used that on all of the promotion material and everything. And sales went through the roof on that one. So, for me, it's just writing a good story. It's writing something that I love, um, something that I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about. I've done a lot of ghostwriting and stuff in the past that I wasn't really passionate about. Uh, it was a paycheck. It was, an, you know, the ends to a means kind of thing. But uh, right now I still write horror stuff, but I'm mostly, mostly writing the, um, you know, I'm, I'm really writing the crime thriller stuff. That's amazing. And can I ask, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Oh yeah, since since 12 years old, Dean Koontz, um, when I was in sixth grade or seventh grade, you had to do a report on uh, you know what do you want to be when you when you grow up and everybody wanted to be I want to be the I want to be the quarterback for the the Giants I'm going to play shortstop for the Yankees and my thing my paper I wrote was I want to be a um, I want to be a, a writer I want to be an author and my mother always said what you should have said is I want to be a rich and famous author is what you you should have wished <laughs> I for I love that I that's that's honestly mind-blowing and thank you so much for being so open about that because my whole life I always said that I wanted to be a writer too and mind you nobody told me that I couldn't but I was always told you know make sure to have a job at the as well because you don't want (laughs) to be one of those writers who's living on rum in in New York City (laughs) and that's just so interesting and can I also ask because I've actually spoken to a few authors and they've said that as they were writing their stories especially thrillers that they've gotten really in tune with their characters like they can know exactly what their character is going to do next that they've actually communicated as well with their characters has that experience ever happened for you in particular yeah yeah definitely there so I have a series uh dirty deeds and um the first book was picked up by by Kindle Press, and I just actually finished the eleventh book. It'll be twelve a twelve book series. So the first ten are out; they've been out. And the main character, James Gaffney, when I wrote it, and I get like I, I my wife is my first reader on a lot of stuff, and she reads crime thrillers. She loves all that stuff. So when I gave her the book. Um, she was like, this is you, like you are James Gaffney. And I'm like, no, no, this has nothing to do with, but then as I started writing, I kind of leaned into it. I'm like, you know what, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm fighting it. This is definitely 
my sense of humor, a lot of my quirks and, and weaknesses and, and strengths and different things. And so for me, that character is at this point, I'm just like, I own it 100%. What would I do in this situation if I was actually you know, involved in the, you know, with the mobster uh, family and, and all the other things that come along with these, these books. So uh, it's, it's great. It's easy to write this character, you know, and actually I have one more book left in this uh, series and then I'll go on to find another character, but there's always has to be those characters. Even if you don't, even if they're not you, they're not part of you. There has to be something with these characters that you can relate to or that you don't like or whatever it can be, but you really have to get into the head of the characters. They, whether it's your main character, or whether it's a, a minor character, you know, the worst thing you can do is write a villain that's one dimensional, you know, you know, megalomaniac, I want to take over the world yeah. kind of thing. I mean, that, because that gets boring, that's so cartoonish. So um, I always remember, advice I got years ago from, from someone that basically said the villain doesn't think he's the villain he thinks he's the hero of the story so you have to write him as if if you could take this book and you can just rewrite this book from his point of view he's not doing anything wrong in his mind because he's doing what he thinks is morally right or whatever it would be and then actually you brought up a really great point Amon, because for me in school i remember knowing that when i first wrote my book in college i knew that i did not want my character to be well liked i wanted her to have sort of a complicated relationship i wanted her to be considered more of the anti-hero and i remember hearing sort of similar advice from a professor saying usually the bad guys or bad girls in the story they don't necessarily think that they're doing anything wrong they feel like that they're doing something with the motive they're doing something that may be considered evil to, to somebody else but for them it has a purpose and in my book my character really was out for bloodthirsty revenge because she wanted to go after the doctor who killed her son and everybody was telling her you shouldn't do it forgive and forget but for her she thought that it was the only way she could move on and I remember learning that it was just super interesting to learn how to write a character who thinks that in their mind they're doing good, but they don't realize that the damage that they're actually inflicting. And that was just kind of a really interesting point, making the anti-hero of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you make, you're making the character human. You know, not and not everybody think of your own life. Not not you don't have one thing in your life. Okay, I I want revenge. If that character's whole thing was I just want revenge and that's it, it makes for a boring character after a couple hundred pages. You know, you you, you have to have that character that is doing other things you don't know. I mean, think of your own life. I, I'm gonna guess. I've you know I've never met in person. I guess you haven't gone out and killed anybody yet. Yeah, but, no, never. <laughs> but you've probably done some things that you look back and you go, "Wow, that was that was bad. That was yeah. a, a the smallest you know things." Not every not every villain starts at four years old stealing candy and, and moves up to killing you know trying to blow up the world. Uh, but not every every quote unquote good guy has, has, you know they, they might have stolen candy at four years old you, you don't you don't know and it's that's I think what's really fun as a writer is creating characters and making them three dimensional making making them have the strengths and the weaknesses and playing off of those things and and you know morally 
things. In my, in my second thriller series, First Coast Thrillers, the main character is um, Clayton Conway. He's an ex-cop. He was fired because he had a gambling problem. And his whole world is kind of spinning out of control. He's he's divorced. He's got a, a you know a daughter who's about to become a teenager that they're really not uh, close because of him. And all he's he can think about is screwing up his life. So the the character for me is how do I get him from that one dimensional oh I'm 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 an awful person to we get to the sixth and final book of the series and and. What has he done to to make himself better? What has he What has he done to help the people that he's wronged around him and stuff? And for me, it was more of that. It was more of the characters and the interactions and making them three D people that are doing good and bad things uh, all, along the way. And I think that's it, that makes it interesting for me. It definitely does, and I think that like we all have we all have bad moments in our lives. We all have regrets. I've done. Like, I've never killed anybody, but I definitely look back at my life and I think, you know, every experience that has led me up to this point, I think it definitely shows me how to grow, how to be a, a better person. And it was so interesting because I remember getting asked, you've never wanted to kill a doctor, have you, in real life? I said no. I literally only had a dream about my book and that was literally the whole plot. That was the whole thing just through my mind. And right. it was just super interesting to know that just from one idea, so many million more ideas come up. And I don't know if you ever heard this tip, Mon, but when I was in school, um, one of my professors said this, because I used to have moments where I was stuck and not knowing how to write, like a little bit of writer's block. And she suggested that if you really don't know what to write, to literally just write IDK or I don't know, I don't know, I don't know over and over again. And apparently something did come up. I did not know that that was actually true and it worked for me. Have you ever used that tip before? <laughs> literally no, just writing, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I've never, I've never done I, I'm a, I'm a total pantser, so I don't outline anything. And I also write multiple projects at the same time. So at any point, I have 12 to 15 stories, short stories or novellas or novels that I'm working on. And I'll work on I'll work on two or three every day. I'll, I'll write a chapter of this, then I'll write a chapter of this. So for me, you know, there's no writer's block because I'm, I always have an idea for at least one of the stories. And of course, when you get to that, you know, publisher deadline, and whatnot then you got to turn it up and you got to just you fight through that but um for for me it's it's still it's the fun I'm, i've been full-time 12 years going on 13 years now able to make a living with my writing and it's still that you know drag yourself out of bed make a cup of coffee and then sit down and then it, there's days where the ideas are just kicking around there's so many i don't even know where to even begin or start you know, because yeah. there's, there's so, and I, I just want to get this next story done, and I want to get this next story done, or I'll have random scenes that come into my head um, for a certain book and whatnot, and I, I, I just want to get it out. You know, everybody, everybody always says, "Oh, you, you, what if you run out of ideas?" Well, I got a billion ideas. I'm never going to run out of it. I'm going to run out of time. Exactly. I'm never going to run out of ideas. As well, because. I, you're definitely what I aspire to be because I would love to be able to write full time and knowing myself, you know, 
sometimes it gets a little hard, you know, to be able to juggle blogging, podcasting, writing. But I feel like as long as you really put your heart and your mind into something, everything just falls into place. And writing, I think for me, I can definitely say it saved my life in so many aspects, more than one. And I think that writing does so much more, has so many more benefits than many people actually realize. I've actually spoken to people, a few authors, who said that they didn't realize, but as they were writing, they realized how even writing thrillers, nonfiction, anything that just came to their mind, how much, how much creativity and and passion and even potential was flowing out of them, that they saw that they can heal from past hurts, from past experiences or even just making a whole new world out of it and i think that that's the beauty of writing you never know what can come you never know what opportunity comes out of it and especially yeah. knowing that you in a supernatural world maybe like harry potter you make a whole new world a whole new language whole new characters even a whole new uh, a whole new broomstick or whatever and that's just the utter beauty of it right and it, and it takes you out of it takes you out of the real world Sometimes which I need I that. Is, which, I think is, which I think is great sometimes. Um, I, I talk to other uh, newer authors coming up. I mentor uh, a couple at any given time. And I just had a conversation yesterday with one of them. And he's, he's not writing. He's not doing. And I said, um, we had a conversation. I said, I, I, I read, last year I read 82 books. And he's like, well, I read 155 books or whatever he said. Yeah. And I said, I said, okay, so you read 70 more books than me, but you could have written 70 more books. Because I said, your focus is on, I'm going to lay on the couch and I'm going to read for two hours. And you think you're you're a writer. You think you're working. You, you need to read, but your priority needs to be the writing. When I get up in the morning, if I'm not writing, I'm miserable. Uh, that is my priority. That is my focus. Even when I was work retail management for 20 something years 80 hours a week six days a week with three little kids in the house i still found time even if it was a dozen words even if it was a couple of paragraphs no, no matter what it was lunch lunch to me was sitting and eating a sandwich and writing and that was always been my passion because this is what i want to do i want to do this more than anything i said that's what makes a writer that's what makes an author um, not, hey, I just watched six Netflix movies today, you know, I said yeah. that, you know, you, you don't, you don't, I don't ever, ever go, well, oh, you know what, today I'm going to, I think I'm going to sit and watch six Netflix movies today instead of writing a word. No, mentally now, uh, you know, I, I fight depression and, and stuff like that. That takes me out of my head, but never is, it's never where, oh, I'm going to, uh, I just would rather read or or, or watch movies today rather than work on my passion. You know, the promotion, the, the doing interviews. I had, at one point I had three podcasts. And so to do all those things and to move your, the, the career needle in the right direction, I think that's always important. And that's, that's what we all have to do in order to get to where we want to get what are our what are our short-term and long-term goals as being a writer and i got to that point and uh, now it's just like okay how high is this ceiling how high can i go and in loving it writing books that i'm i really enjoy books that i'm writing are because i'm looking for those books and i can't find them out there and you know we're, we're driving around me and my wife are driving around tonight 
Yeah, you're going. We're going to the little free libraries. We put some of my signed books in, in them, uh, other books, and we're talking. And I'm saying, you know, hey, this is what this is an idea for my next six book series now. And I'm constantly talking about work. I'm constantly talking yeah. about about writing and everything. I think for for me, it's it's the passion that um, I'm 53 at 12 years old. I caught this bug and, I, and it's has not gone away. Thank you so much for being so transparent about that because I think you know like I said before and you definitely emphasize that point as long as it's your passion if it's really if you know in your heart and soul that it's what you strive to do it's what you strive to be it doesn't matter if you want to be a writer or a chef or even an Amazon driver if it's if, if you really feel a passion and devotion for something anything is possible and for me I'm I'm 24 and I published my book at 23, and I became the first person in my family to even write a book because that wasn't even a thing. And my whole life, my I come from a family of immigrants, and all my life I was always told, you know, they, they did, my family didn't necessarily tell me not to write, but they always did say, you know, to look to being a doctor, to something, you know, go to school, make the money. But they never really, they weren't really taught, you know, to go for your dreams, to really like do what you had to do to survive in America. And my right. whole life, like because I, that's what they did, and their exactly. parents, and their parents. It's the same with the same with my parents. And now, my mother's very supportive. My dad was very supportive. Yeah. Um, I, I congratulations on on being so young and able to put a book out. Thank I mean, you. I would I would give my left arm at, at thirty years ago if I had been able to, to put a book did out. It. You still did it. Look at it that way, because. <laughs> yeah my whole life like I think I I wanted to be a writer since I was four and I remember it because Spanish is actually my first language and when I came to school I don't have much memory of it but apparently when I was starting pre-k because I was raised by grandparents who only ever spoke Spanish to me apparently whenever I was in school and people would try to communicate with me I would usually respond with like like what are you trying to say like I didn't know anything so they placed me in special education courses and it was there that I started reading like short stories novels picture books and I think that's where I truly fell in love with writing because there's so much potential beauty and imagination that's in words and I always said whenever people ask me what do you want to be I said a writer a writer I don't know how and I'm not sure if you're familiar with um uh, I was a, I was only able to self-publish because a lot of traditional publishers wouldn't really take me because yeah. I had not published before. But it was a company called No Degree Press and for my dream, which is right. You have a legacy now. Maybe. You have something. You have something out there that will outlive you. I have a couple hundred releases to my name. That you know, one of the things as we're getting older to, to go, me and my wife to go and and sit down with a lawyer. And, and uh, you know, write up a will and everything else. And it's like, well, I have intellectual property now that could be worth a lot of money at some point. It's worth something now. So how do we how do we look towards the future? Because I'm not going to live forever. And at some point I'll be gone and I'll still have all of these books, all of these stories, all of these things Your out there. Your work will live long. Your work will always live forever. Yeah. And for me, that's it's 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 exciting. It's exciting that... Uh, potentially my kids will still be making they'll be making money my wife will still be making money when when I'm gone 
Yeah, and maybe your grandkids, if you have any grandkids, or maybe one day you will. No, I don't want no, no grandkids. My kids, do, do, I keep telling them, do not have kids. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're all through all these are too stupid to have kids. Calm down. My dad has two sons with from previous relationships, so he and my mom only ever had me. And he asks them all the time, when you guys going to have kids? They always <laughs> respond with saying, look at look at your daughter. Look at your only daughter. What about her? Doesn't she need a pop-out kid? Because neither one of them apparently is planning on that so i'm like wait to put me on the spotlight i don't want yeah. what the heck yeah, thanks for throwing me under the bus exactly exactly <laughs> but i would yeah. definitely love to ask you like what is your favorite horror film horror book because i feel like i really love like the thrill i love i love a little bit of terror but i am also kind of a little bit of a scaredy cat how do you able to stomach it what is your favorite <laughs> So here's here's what's funny. Growing up, I watched like every horror movie there was back in the '80s. I haven't really watched too many horror movies since. I'm I'm more of a uh, I would rather watch like a romantic comedy than watch a horror movie. To be honest. Really? But you said that you couldn't write romance. Yeah, it's it's just I, I guess it's getting away from what I'm what I'm writing now. I love thriller stuff. You know, I me and my wife does too. So we'll watch any. Netflix series or watch any movie with uh, that that has any kind of thriller element, you know, Jack Ryan or Jack Reacher, any of those, anything from um, uh, Harlan Coben, anything from uh, Michael O'Connell, uh, Michael Connelly, any any of those we love. But I normally will watch uh, documentaries. I'm a I'm a huge documentary fan. My favorite horror movie of all time is uh, 1982: The Thing with Kurt Russell. That is still a great movie. In fact, I just the other night saw the the prequel, also called The Thing from 2011. It came out, and I didn't even realize it it was even out there. And I watched that yeah, the other remake. night, and that was probably the first horror movie I've seen in in uh, in a long time. And it wasn't it wasn't all that great, but the I love that the ending of of that movie. Is the beginning of the 1982 thing. It tied in perfectly for both movies, which I thought was was uh, kind of cool. Oh wow, it definitely is. I I will admit, I it's my favorite, but it's also the one that scared me to literally just shock me out of my own my own skin. I don't know if you ever saw The Grudge. <laughs> yes, I. I, I, I saw the that. Japanese version and the American version, and I thought I couldn't sleep. And my cousin thought that it's not scary. I couldn't sleep for so long after that. And to this day, I will watch it. I will. Ma- I make sure to watch it in the daytime if it's Halloween or whatever. Yeah. But I'm just like, I'm utterly fascinated by just how. I much- don't watch. I don't watch any of the Japanese horror movies because they they just freak me out. <laughs> freak the I watch, hell I watch the, yeah, I watch the cheesier American version of you know The Ring and and the any of those movies, but I won't watch the um, I won't I won't watch you know usually the original. The Japanese ones are just uh, crazy brutal, and I, I'm not a big fan of slasher stuff. Like I don't watch any of like the Italian crazy. Horror movies or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. But even for horror, for me, like splatterpunk is huge, and I'm not a fan of it. I, I, um, I don't like really horrific things. I don't like taboos. I don't like any of that stuff. I'm more of a quiet horror 
kind of person. I've written some stuff that's that's brutal uh, for anthologies and whatnot, uh, but otherwise, that's not really my my wheelhouse. Oh, I definitely hear that because I, this is my fault. I because I like talking about unsolved crimes and I've watched certain films and certain things to do research. And this is my fault. It be it will be like two, three in the morning, and my house is dead quiet, and I'm listening and reading about the most brutal, brutal things out there in the world. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this to myself? I am getting, I, I'm seeing shadows, I'm hearing sounds that I have to shut it down. I have to stop what I'm doing and watch Baby Shark or Crazy Rich Asians or something to really like yeah. regain my faith in humanity. Yeah, I do. Well, my wife travels for work once a month for a couple of days. She goes drives into Atlanta, and uh, so I'm home by myself with me and the cat. And I, I always just I'll make sure I'm watching something at night. I'm watching nothing that's hard, no murders, nothing in it. And then I really have to pick like a nonfiction book to read because if I'm reading a crime thriller or a horror book, I start hearing people outside. I start hearing you know the the house creaks or something, and it freaks me out. We live, in, we live in Jacksonville in Florida. To Orlando, December. Rained every single day. But yeah. it was super duper hot. I don't know how. In New York is cold enough, but I was like, I welcome the heat. It sometimes it's too hot though. Like I grew, again, I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in Newark, so I, I grew up in New Jersey, and I moved down here 22 years ago. And so, you know, up until up until about 30, I was I I lived there. I love it. I, we still go back once a year. I'll do some book signings in Jersey, and um, and but I go back for the food because I miss I miss you know I miss Staten Island pizza. <laughs> Especially or like if you ever go down to Chinatown, I don't know if you drink um bubble tea. But um, it's really no, good. no. I'm, I'm not a, uh, not a fan. I, I did. I used to uh, in the '90s. I managed heavy metal bands, and we, so we would travel a lot. That's incredible. And uh, so we we go into. We did a lot of shows, obviously, in in New York. You know, at the the Limelight and the Cat Club and all different places. But I would always love to go because then it'd be like three in the morning. I'd be like, all right, now we're going to. Now we're going to Brooklyn for mini bagel sandwiches. And we just go and buy like, you know, 30 mini bagel sandwiches and everybody would eat. I mean, you just you can't beat you can't beat the food up there. I like I like a lot of the food down here, but I go up there because I'm like, listen, I gotta get a bacon egg and some, cheese. Yeah, I gotta get a I gotta get a New York, New Jersey uh, food in my system at some point. Do you like the bacon egg and cheese on a roll with a with a little bit of a with a little bit of ketchup or maybe a coffee on the side? <laughs> I am yeah. So I'm I'm from Jersey, so I'm actually a pork roll egg and cheese fan. Oh, you're Remember calling that? my name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got it. In fact, we get it here. Publix carries pork roll, which I'm like, oh my, this is great. So I, I'll eat pork roll two, three times a month if I can. Yeah, that, but we go up there and I miss, you know, 18 slices of pork roll on a sandwich, on a hard roll. <laughs> Definitely. And it's really yeah. interesting because I remember I have a friend who, um, she she actually wrote a book a few a few months ago about, but it's like a little short story book. She didn't officially publish it. And she talked about it because she wants to be, she's a, 
an aspiring chef, but she kept saying it's literally a book where because she loves thriller and crime based, so it's apparently where the food is coming to life in New York and it's trying to attack every every everybody in New York saying you will not eat me. Like sort of like a cloud cloudy with the chance of meatballs, but it's sort of like everybody's going against them and I'm like I don't know. I feel like like I said, writing just brings so much of potential that you can literally write about anything and Yeah. I, I once did a uh two years ago I did a non fiction book called A Month of Duncan. And Dunkin I went Donuts. to a different I went to a different Dunkin' Donuts from, from here in Florida all the way up to Massachusetts over a month. October twenty nineteen is when I did it. And every day I would go to a different Dunkin' Donuts or, or sometimes two or three Dunkin' Donuts and I would order a different uh, item, either a drink or a sandwich or something that I had not had uh, in, in, in any of the previous days. So I tried, you know, 40 something different things off of the menu. And uh, I would talk to customers, I would talk to people working there, I would invite uh, other authors or other people doing stuff, they would come and hang out and I would interview them and stuff. So I did an entire uh, 31 days of, uh, of that, which is great. And, um, and my favorite thing still because of it to this day is Duncan's apple fritters are just amazing. we get that all the time here and i i will admit starbucks i feel like i like a little bit their coffee better but you can't beat the donut and i sound my mother will think i'm so unhealthy as i talk about this but i'm like it's i feel like i will i find myself like in my early days i would just like find myself literally writing because my school had a dunkin donuts and a little starbucks um in our cafeteria so i would find myself just writing uh, literally just typing on my laptop for hours on end, just a random story that came to mind. It's actually there where I, um, the prompt for my story came about because the prompt was in a, in a creative writing course. If you could think of another version of you, someone who looked exactly like you, but they were the complete opposite in another universe, in another world, how would they be like? For a two to three page short story assignment, I submitted over 50 something pages. And I was writing it all in the, in the in in the coffee shop, and my professor, she I still remember. She said, "You submitted over fifty six pages for a short story <laughs> assignment. You obviously have something to say, so keep going." Yeah. And then uh, I gave her over ninety five pages the, the next week after, and I was just I couldn't <laughs> stop writing in literally the coffee shop. And she would say, "Well." Um, you went, you, you went to almost a hundred. And, and I remember saying, was I not supposed to? Because it was just, <laughs> I love it. I, That's funny. I found myself feeling like if I'm writing something, I really can't stop. I really want to get to the, I really want to get a little bit like into it, you know? Yeah. And can I also ask you as well, like for anybody who is like anybody here who may be listening and they want to really get their foot out in the door in writing, whether it's writing nonfiction, historical fiction or any kind of any kind of genre, what advice would you have for them if they feel like they're not good enough to be writers, if they feel like they're not good enough to get published, like anyone who may be feeling a little bit of doubt in themselves? We, we all have, again, I'm 53. I started writing awful Dean Koontz ripoff stories when I was 12. So I got 40 years, 35 years I've been published. And there's not a week that goes by when I don't have imposter syndrome. There's not a week that goes by where I don't think I, I, I'm awful. This story is awful. 
all my books or everything I'm doing is awful. I need to go get a real job. And you, 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 you fight that. You, you give yourself the tools because you just you push ahead. You just keep writing. You just keep doing it because again, this is a passion. Um, you don't. This isn't like okay, hey, I'm, I'm gonna start writing. Here's ten dollars an hour. It doesn't work that way. So you you might make. I, I know friends who have made literally a million dollars in a year as writers. I know a lot of friends who have literally made a hundred dollars an entire year on Amazon, and they're they're happy because they made a hundred dollars and and they're they're a writer and they're this is their passion. So you just you you put your head down, full steam ahead. You just got to keep writing because you you like it. If you're in this to make money, then you're not really a writer. You're you're an idiot. If you're in this because this is what you want to do with your life, this is what you want to do. Then then that's what you do. I also say read read as much as you can, and not only in your genre, because you pick up on a lot of writing things. Uh, tropes and different things from reading other genres as well, and、uh, so I read a lot of other stuff that I don't. I don't write romance, but I will read short stories. I will read different things because you need to understand how other authors are using language, how other authors are conveying things, and I think that's really important as well. Whenever I hear someone who says, "Oh well, I, you know, I don't really read," like, well. I don't know how you can be a full a、uh, uh, uh, potential writer if you don't you don't understand it, and not just your genre, but you just don't understand the written word. That's definitely true because I I know I'm I, my book is not a bestseller. I know that I don't really look into it to make money, but I feel like you know with my writing, I'm not done yet. I don't know when I might write a sequel. I don't know when I might write my next book, but I feel like that's just the beauty of it. If you,、right. if you really have a passion for it, anything is possible, and I definitely love to ask you.、Um, I saw that you have a Twitch,、um, and you say that you write live on Twitch. Like, do you find like you get more inspiration just writing literally live, or like what really brings you about your Twitch career? I I love it. I I write Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, one p.m. Eastern,、um, and I literally will start with a title. That's all I have. And I have people in the chat. I have a dozen people in the chat, and and most of them are also writers.、Um, and then I just literally, off the top of my head, I have to sit there for an hour and write, usually two, three pages of a story, while I'm also talking, while I'm also having conversations with people, and we're talking music, and we're talking food, and what did you guys do this weekend? And and so it's, you know, as a writer, we write in our own little space, and it's just. You know that that oneness, and with this, three days a week, I get to actually hang out with other people while I'm writing, and they're seeing me write live. And there are days when the imposter syndrome kicks in. There's days when depression kicks in. There's days when you know, I had a I had a, a bad night sleeping, my back hurts, whatever. I don't want to get up, and I'm like, you know what? At one o'clock, I have to be in that chair, on camera, and I have to be writing, and it, it really helps. Those sometimes those are the only those are the only words I wrote that whole day was just that hour sitting there, and I think for me that's important because it it、um, you, know, you got to write every day you you have to again even if it's five words it just you have to do something and on those days it really helps 
for me and there's tons of writers on there and every day there's more and more writers that are going live at different times on twitch it's not just for gamers anymore and i think that's uh really cool so if you're on twitch follow me it's just armand underscore rosamilia you can find me and uh love to have you hang out live with me i definitely will because i actually have a twitch as well and i've never i've never recorded anything live because even then i feel like i sort of feel the imposter syndrome as well personally i feel like who's even when to start my podcast and my blog and everything i was thinking who's gonna want to listen to me talk who's gonna want to read my work and even then i'm a little even shy because i've seen that um the the app that i use anchor allows me is now allowing me if i want to use video podcasts and even then i'm like i'm not good enough to show my face <laughs> on a video to literally record myself and i feel i actually feel that i still have a little bit of doubt in myself thinking that maybe my work isn't good enough jump jump in jump in one day if you're if you're free jump in on on uh, my twitch just introduce yourself in the chat and uh and then you'll see it just it's just me basically me talking and and saying dumb things and also writing a story it's yeah it's, it's, dumb uh, it's, things. it's fun I definitely would. The only thing is that I do work on nine to five, but maybe I could take a lunch break. Yeah, a lot of people jump in at one o'clock and they, they take their lunch break and they jump in for 10, 15 minutes and, uh, and you know, they'll, they'll watch, they'll listen in. So no excuses. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, can you actually hold me to it? Because I, wa- I actually want to join the Switch now. I'm not going to lie. I want to join yeah. now. All right. I am going to hold you to it. And you said Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, right? Yep. So I'll be on. Uh, I'll be on tomorrow okay. at uh, one p.m. Okay. till about two o'clock. Okay. Because I can't guarantee I can stay there for the whole hour because I do. No, but you know what? Just pop in. You get on the chat and you just introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. I'm so and so, uh, and and that'll be fun. Then we'll. Then you you'll see. Uh, you'll you'll see all the questions from people and comments and and all the other stuff. It'll be fun. Well, you see what so what I do every every morning on Twitter at nine a.m. because um, I have uh, I have tweets scheduled out, and so at nine a.m. every morning there's there's a um, like a, tomorrow would be pro, uh, you know promo Friday or whatever. Where was he? You'll see a, a little picture of Snoopy. It's basically post. I love your book. that. I saw it. Yeah, I posted. Yeah, it. post a link of your book because I have a hundred and. 28,000 people that follow me and so it so it gets out to a lot of people so don't 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 be shy every day uh you know put a link to your book in that uh in that feed i definitely will i didn't do it today i did it yesterday i didn't do it today because i feel like i already posted and i want to see more of my stuff <laughs> but i'm gonna do it i promise and i will subscribe to your twitch right after this and share as, share as much as you want uh, armonrosamilia.com is the main page but i'm on i'm on every social media platform Are even if i don't TikTok? understand that i'm on there you're on tiktok yeah i, I have a uh, couple thousand people on there right now i've only been on there since about september but i post a lot of books i post a lot of uh just different content on there all the time. So yeah, I'm on TikTok. I'll find you because I do have TikTok as well. I oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. I have everything. So it's really kind of cool. But like you can definitely, if you're, if you're all good, you can definitely share with me afterwards. But I, 
I, this has absolutely such, been such a blast. I'm surely so excited to finally have had you. I was super excited that I rushed after work to make sure that everything was good. So I honestly hope that you've had such a, an, a help. I hope it was cool for you. I hope it was really cool. Yeah, very cool. I appreciate talking to you. Thank you. And I appreciate you taking the time of your Thursday night to, yep. and I appreciate, I hope, I truly, truly hope it does not like, um, wean too much of your night. <laughs> No, you're good. Thank you. And um, I do hope you come back soon. And this episode should come out within maybe uh, five to six weeks because I do have a few episodes that I have to schedule out. But it will definitely come out and I will email you before and I'll make a blog post announcing it as well. But again, thank you so much, Amal, for coming. It's been such an absolute pleasure. You have a great night. Thank you. And for those of you who have been listening to this podcast, I truly hope you all have enjoyed it. I wish you all a great day, morning, afternoon, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. Please stay tuned for next week. And until then, keep on sleuthing.